0: You are listening to episode number 118 of Conjuring Up Courage. In this solo episode, I talk about some of the awesome queer movies and TV shows I've been enjoying over the last year and a half or so. To access the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, head to shoraydavidi.com forward slash 118. That's shoraydavidi.com forward slash 118. This is Conjuring Up Courage, and I'm your host, Shorey Davidi. As a self-trust coach, I help people come home to themselves so they can be more of who they are and less haunted by who they think they're supposed to be. I created this podcast to celebrate what's possible when you commit to being brave. You'll hear from diverse guests who are refusing to let fear and self-doubt stop them from building fulfilling lives and creating a better world for everyone. I'll also teach you my favorite tools, strategies, and mindset shifts so you can do the same. Consider this your invitation to stop living according to shoulds and to step into your motherfucking magic instead. Stay open, get curious, and let's grow together. Hello, 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 my lovely listeners. Today is going to be a solo episode, and if you've listened to some of my previous solo episodes, then you know that they are usually well-researched and very thought out with plenty of educational takeaways for y'all, and this episode is not going to be anything like that. No, you see, it's the beginning of December, and I'm in the middle of a launch for the new cohort of my Follow Your Arrow membership program, which means I'm churning out content left and right, and at the same time, it's darker earlier, and it's getting colder out, relatively speaking, since I do live in Texas, and I just kind of want to hibernate. So since it's my podcast and I can talk about whatever the hell I want, today I'm going to spend this episode talking about some of my favorite queer TV shows and movies. If you're wondering if this is basically just an excuse for me to gush about Drag Race for 15 minutes, yes, yes it is. But I promise I'm going to talk about other stuff too. I believe I've mentioned this on the show before, but when I was in the depths of divorce hell, so particularly in the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021, I made a point to intentionally consume as much queer media as possible. This was during the pandemic when my ex and I were still living together, and when I was very much still the big sad about all the changes happening, so I couldn't exactly go out and live my best queer life and date and all of that stuff yet." But what I could do was temporarily escape from my situation by living vicariously through the queer characters of various TV shows and movies. So let me start by talking about some of the media that sustained me during that time specifically, and then, because my appetite for queer media has only grown, I'll also share some of the more recent things I've been enjoying. The TV show Schitt's Creek feels like a lovely place to start, and there's a good chance you've heard of Schitt's Creek by now. It went from being sort of a low-budget cult classic to exploding in popularity and ultimately sweeping all seven major comedy awards at the Emmys for its final season. But just in case you haven't heard of it or you need a refresher, the premise is that the formerly uber-rich Rose family loses all their money, and as a result, they're forced to live in a crappy motel in a town called Shit's Creek that they had once bought as a joke. Now, I'll be honest and tell you that I had actually heard of Shit's Creek before it exploded in popularity, and I decided that I wasn't interested in it, and I didn't want to watch it. A friend of my ex's had actually recommended it to him, so he started watching the first season, and I remember just kind of watching in passing a bit and thinking that it wasn't funny, not my kind of humor, and that it was just not a show for me. And to be fair, the first season is not the best, and it does take the show some time to find its footing, which is pretty standard for comedies. In the first season, you don't really have many reasons to root for the Rose family. They are not likable, which makes it difficult to enjoy the show. But that definitely changes as the show goes on, and thankfully, I came to my senses and I started watching the show years later after all of it was on Netflix and I could just binge it. So, the major queer aspect of the show is that one of the main characters, David Rose, who is played by Dan Levy, is queer. The character famously describes his sexuality in the show with the phrase, I like the wine and not the label, which if you were going to label as a sexuality, would translate to pansexual. And in the show, David dates and falls in love with another character, Patrick Brewer, who is played by Noah Reed. And the romance between them is not just one of the best queer on-screen romances I've ever seen play out, but one of the best romances in general. When I tell you that I craved watching the relationship unfold when I was going through my divorce, I mean it. I would sit in the bath and watch Shit's Creek and just think about how I hoped that someday I would have a love like theirs. And hey, now I do. So yes, your sad girl in the bath dreams can come true, y'all. Something else that's wonderful about Schitt's Creek is that the show doesn't include homophobia or other queer-specific tragedy in the storylines, and that was an intentional choice. Dan Levy has said that he purposely wanted the show to depict love and tolerance because people learn by what they watch. So putting homophobia in the show would give people watching a reason to side with bigotry. And as someone who has watched plenty of sad queer media... I appreciated a show where the queer characters got to exist without the homophobia that's in the real world. Outside of David and Patrick's relationship, the show is just hilarious. Catherine O'Hara is perfectly ridiculous as Moira Rose. The song A Little Bit Alexis will forever be burned into my brain. Emily Hampshire's character Stevie Budd has an awesome character trajectory. So if you haven't watched It's Creek yet, I highly recommend it. Go get after it. Okay, the next show has a completely different flavor, and I also watched it a lot in the bath because the third season was released towards the beginning of the pandemic, and that show is Killing Eve, starring Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. This is a show I was not expecting to love. It's a British spy thriller, and the premise is that Eve Polastri, played by Sandra Oh, is trying to track down a psychopathic assassin named Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer. And through Eve and Villanelle's game of cat and mouse, the two of them develop a mutual obsession with one another that gets very, very, very gay. I will warn you, there's quite a bit of blood and gore in the show because Villanelle likes to kill people in creative ways. So sometimes that's a little hard for me to watch, but I find that it's worth it for the storyline because the two leads are absolutely incredible actresses. They've both won awards for their portrayals of their characters. And let me tell you, the sexual tension between them is chef's kiss, just truly magical. And the show in general is very high paced. It has lots of twists and turns and it's just fucking fun to watch. There are three seasons out now and the fourth season is supposed to finally be released in 2022 after a delay due to COVID. And if you liked Fleabag, which is another fantastic show, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was the head writer for the first season of Killing Eve. So all the more reason to watch. Next up is the animated series, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is apparently a reboot of a 1985 show, Shira ra Princess of Power. I've never seen the original. And this is another one of those shows that I was resistant to watching because it is animated. I don't know, as an adult, I just prefer to watch real people most of the time, but a bunch of people recommended this show to me. They were like, there's rainbows, and there's talking animals, and it's super gay. And finally... Over the pandemic, in my sadness, I was like, all right, if it's gay, then we're going to watch it. And you know what? I thought it was really cute. Some of y'all know that I am a big fan of the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and fellow Lavelle, who played Heather in that show, was the voice actor for the Princess Mermista in She-Ra, and Lorraine Toussaint, who played Rebecca's therapist in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, was the voice actor for Shadow Weaver in She-Ra. So that was like a little fun Easter egg for me. The show mostly follows the relationship between Catra and Adora, and they have this whole BFFs to enemies to lovers storyline that's great, but besides them, Scorpia is an amazing queer character, Bo is a lovely queer character, and he also has two dads, which is adorable. Spinarella and Natasa are married to each other, so the whole show is just a queer love fest, and it's all about the power of friendship, and it's very, very cute. And Riot Girl and I were also very, very cute when we dressed up as Catra and Adora for Halloween this past year, though I was Shira, which is who Adora turns into when it's time to fight bad guys. And yes, because I am so nice, I will put a picture in the show notes for you. Taking a break from TV for a moment, I also watched the movie, but I'm a cheerleader for the first time during this period of my life. And even though it was released in 1999, it remains a campy delight to this day. Y'all, But I'm a Cheerleader has a young Natasha Leone, a young Clea Duvall, a young RuPaul, and even a young Michelle Williams, and it is a romp. The premise of this movie seems like it would be really sad because it's about a high school cheerleader whose parents send her to conversion therapy camp to cure her of her lesbianism, but it is both absolutely hilarious and really heartwarming. I first learned about the movie from the Hot Gay News podcast, which is now defunct, rest in peace, and I'm so glad that I did. Fun fact, the band Muna recently released a song featuring Phoebe Bridgers called Silk Chiffon, it is a great song, and the music video for the song is a spoof of But I'm a Cheerleader, and it is so funny. All right. The time has come for me to talk about Drag Race, and the story of how I started watching Drag Race involves Allie of the Girl Gang and the show Pose that stars Billy Porter. During my post-divorce queer media binge times, one of the shows I watched was Pose, which is about New York City ball culture in the 1980s, as well as the AIDS epidemic. And through learning more about ballroom culture and voguing and some of the origins of drag, I felt more inclined to watch Drag Race than I had prior. And this is where Allie comes into the picture, because Allie is a huge Drag Race fan, and she had been encouraging me to watch the show for a long time. I tend to not be into the fabricated drama of reality TV, so I can't say that Drag Race was a show that had ever caught my interest before. But for some reason, I decided to ask Allie to tell me where to get started if I was going to watch Drag Race. So Allie gave me a list of her favorite regular seasons and all-star seasons, expecting that I might watch one, maybe two seasons of Drag Race before moving on, and boy was she wrong. Hi, hello. I am now a Drag Race super fan. At this point, I've seen seasons of Drag Race that Allie hasn't even seen, namely seasons two and three, which are early seasons many people skip over. Look, the problematic nature of RuPaul aside, the show is actual queer magic. The fashion, the makeup, the comedy, the art, the music, the vocabulary. Because truly, when I first started watching, I had to look up a bunch of the slang words the queens and judges were using because I didn't know what they meant. As a queer person, hearing what so many of the queens have had to overcome to get where they are is simultaneously painful and powerful There are so many examples of queer resilience and queer joy and queer love on the show, and they all get me in the feels. I'm pretty sure I first started watching Drag Race in April of this year, and since then, I have essentially ate, slept, and breathed Drag Race. I've now watched all of the regular seasons except for season one, and all of the seasons of All Stars except for season one, and eventually I'll go back and watch those too, and I'm also getting ready to start some of the international seasons. I am dedicated. And one of the best parts about all of this is that not only is Drag Race something that Allie and I share in our friendship, but Drag Race is something that has defined my relationship with Riot Girl as well. Riot Girl and I met on the dating app Hinge, and if you've never been on there, Hinge has question prompts you have to fill out for your profile. One of the question prompts I had chosen was a fill-in-the-blank prompt that said, I'll fall for you if blank. And for my blank, I put, if you're into making out, eating snacks, and watching Drag Race. Because by July, when I was getting on dating apps, I was so deep into Drag Race that I decided to put it on my profiles. Well, Riot Girl hadn't watched any Drag Race, but on our first date, we had some time to kill at my house before going out, and she suggested we watch an episode because she knew how much I loved it. So I very smartly put on one of the best episodes of all time. Yes, the season 12 series opener that features Nicki Minaj as the guest judge and is also the episode that introduces one of my personal favorite queens of all time, Jackie Cox, the Persian princess of drag. And as I had hoped, Riot Girl immediately fell in love with the show, and she has now watched as much drag race as I have, and she is just as obsessed as I am. We were even able to watch several seasons together because I stopped my watching while she caught up to me, which means she watched a fuck ton of drag race in an even shorter amount of time than I watched that same fuck ton of drag race. And it's amazing. We have tickets for DragCon in Los Angeles this upcoming May, and we are going to the show A Drag Queen Christmas in just over a week, and we're super stoked that we get to watch season 14 as it's coming out starting in January together. I did promise I'd tell you a bit about some of the queer media I'm consuming currently, pretty much all of which Riot Girl has been instrumental in because she takes my queer education as a late bloomer lesbian very seriously. So as you can imagine, that means I have been watching The L Word. I'm getting close to finishing Season 3 currently, and there are a total of six seasons, and Season 3 has been a fucking roller coaster. The show makes me very annoyed at times, and there are a lot of things in it that do not hold up well today, but I'm also watching it with the understanding of what a big deal this show was and is, just for the fact that it even existed. And yes, I will be watching the new seasons once I get through the old ones. The other show I've been watching for the first time that Riot Girl is re-watching with me is Gentleman Jack, which is on HBO. If you asked me if I was into historical drama, I would say definitely not. But gay historical drama? Bring it on. Gentleman Jack takes place in the early 1800s, and it's based on the diaries of Anne Lister, which documented a lifetime of lesbian relationships. Saran Jones, who plays Ann Lister, is incredible. She has the most breathtaking bad bitch energy, amazing theme song music, and I love the moments where she breaks the fourth wall to give the audience a wink and a nod. And for Game of Thrones fans, Gemma Whelan, who played Yara Greyjoy, is in Gentleman Jack playing Ann's sister, and she's great too. Riot Girl is also a big film buff, so she has been taking me through a lot of the classic lesbian movies. So far, we've watched Desert Hearts, Itty Bitty Titty Committee, Imagine Me and You, Debs, and Carol. I believe that's it, but we have a whole list going, so that's just going to continue on. And I love it. I really cannot get enough of quality queer media because cis heteronormativity is still everywhere in media. Oftentimes when there are queer characters, they're walking stereotypes or they're not even fully dimensional, and that is so frustrating. Having queer media to enjoy was meaningful to me when I was going through my divorce and second coming out, and it's meaningful to me now as someone who is living their queer truth every day. Queer stories deserve to be told, and they make a huge difference in people's lives. So while this episode was a fun way for me to share some of my favorite queer media with y'all, it goes deeper than that too. A lot of the shows and movies I talked about in this episode were a lifeline for me, and I don't want to think about how much worse off I would have been without them. So there you have it, friends. I hope you've enjoyed today's queer media tour and thanks for listening as always. And that's our show for today. If you're enjoying Conjuring Up Courage, don't forget to subscribe through your podcast provider of choice so you never miss an episode. Additionally, if you haven't left a rating and review in the Apple Podcasts app yet, you can do so from any Apple device to help more people find and benefit from the show. I also love hearing from listeners, so feel free to take a screenshot from your podcast player, post on social media, and tag me. My username is at shore Davidi on all platforms. Finally, you can sign up for my email newsletter, The Sunday Share, and get more details about how to work with me by going to shoraydavidi.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.